What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. Ballsy. I am Kevin Sherrington. And you are, oh, I'm Barry Horn. Asleep. I'm asleep. You are asleep, is what you are. And joining us on the phone from his hometown, back in the heartland, in Atlanta, the one and only Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. How's it going? Hello, gentlemen and Barry. <laughs> How are you, Evan? Are you celebrating the big Georgia victory over Appalachian State? Uh, as I've always said, better to beat Appalachian State than lose to Liberty. Yeah, boy, uh, no a kidding. Dig it, Baylor fans everywhere. Matt Rule was not and a good I, weekend for the Baylors. Another thing I've always said: better to hold on to a twenty-one point win than to lose a thirty-four point lead. Yeah. Uh, you're going to dig everybody, aren't he you? He is. What do you got for Tom Herman? Great lockers. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was a bad weekend for those three teams. Man, that, that little triangle I, there between uh, College Station, Waco, and Austin, a bad, bad that, week. That was the Bermuda Triangle of college I football. The, I thought the great stat that I saw over the weekend was that the state of Texas went 0-4 in games against FBS opponents. Is that right? Well, how yeah. I'm looking back now because TCU – Beat uh, Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, uh, Texas Tech beat. Beat Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington, yeah. Now, I will say this. Eastern Washington is, is a very good program. For, for an <laughs> FCS program, they are. But yeah. they're still an FCS yeah. program. They get a lot of good quarterbacks. You know, that's where uh, the SMU quarterback from a few years ago left and went there. And I can't think of the kid's name. Yeah. Off the top of my head. But anyway. Uh yeah, that's uh it was not a good week. You know, this is uh a real issue. It was a good weekend for SMU. It's a good weekend for SMU. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it is that uh, and, I, and I'm going to write about this this week, I think, about uh quarterbacks. It's a very simple thing, you know. There's not a lot of rocket science behind all the reason why these teams are struggling so much. They they don't have a quarterback. I mean, I, with Baylor, they have quarterbacks. They're just they're just messed up because of everything that's happened. Yeah, but, plus but they get, te- the defense gave up a lot. Oh, of- well, they always do. But at, but at Texas A and M and at Texas, it's all about the quarterback. Yeah. I well, didn't I, if I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Texas A and M have like every great quarterback in the state over the last five years? They have. They've had a lot of them. And, and they're all playing elsewhere now. Yeah, you know that's what uh, our our old pal Barry Switzer, who was on last week said he's watched practices with Kyler Murray at Oklahoma and just raved about him. Talked about how great he's looked, and not only is he quick and fast and all that, which we already knew, but that he was really throwing the ball And well. And, and he, he discounted his size. When, when you brought that up, he just swatted you away. No, 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 you brought that up. You no, said oh, he, he sw- said he was tiny. And he swatted me away. He swatted you away. He was not tiny, but well, he was short. 
Uh, who, who are you guys going to have on the talk colleges after this? We're going to talk to Chuck Carlton, our old pal, our old buddy. He was at, he was at, he was at the Texas debacle. Yes, he was. And as he put it to me when we were talking yesterday, he said, "I thought that was going to be the story of the weekend." You know, Tom Herman getting killed by a 17-point underdog. You no, know, Matt Rule bailed him out. And Matt Rule bailed him out. And then, and then <laughs> Kevin Sumlin bailed him out. It got progressively worse. Uh, each one of those losses was worse than the one before. So, uh, and, and, and A&M's loss just bad because you can't blow a 34-point lead. In the, but, you know, the I sat quarter. there watching that the fourth quarter. And did anybody not know that was going to happen? You know, I had a, uh, you're, you're right. F- I had that feeling. But it... it but look at everything that had to happen for that for that to come off. But it did. I know. I know. And, but, and it, but and it ball, always does. The ball through the hands. <laughs> of the, deep, the ball through of the, the hands for a back. touchdown. I don't even remember the last time I saw something like that, where a guy, a ball went completely through his hands. He has the ball, and it not only does it go through his hands, but the guy gets a touchdown out of it. it I was, mean, that's was, an unbelievable play. Uh, but anyway. Let's talk baseball. Let's talk some baseball. Right. That's why you're here, Evan. This has been a great baseball podcast. Okay, let's go. Here, here we go. So, uh, so as you wrote over the weekend, Jerickson Profar, not one of the call-ups for the Rangers here in September. I can't imagine that's going very, over very well with Mr. Profar. Uh, or his agent. Uh, or his agent. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, but I will say this. In, in the grand scheme of things, I think this will help Jerickson get to a landing spot uh, where he can go and play shortstop every day a little bit more easily because by not calling him up, the Rangers preserve a little bit of service time that keeps him under four years of service. If they had traded him at the deadline to somebody, if they had traded him to San Diego, he would have had the rest of this year in San Diego and then two more years. But by keeping him in the minor leagues the rest of the season, and not calling him up, he stays under four years of service time, which means he will have three years of controllability with another organization or the Rangers uh, if they if they trade him this winter. And I think that's going to make him a little bit more attractive once teams reset and start focusing on the full season of 2018. And so I'm sure Jerickson is not happy. Um, John Daniels said he took it professionally uh, when he was given the news, but clearly was disappointed. Um, but I do think that that this will help the Rangers' ability to market him a little bit and thus get him somewhere where he can go and play. What, what realistically, is his marketability now? What could they get for him now? Well, I, I, I think you're still going to be selling him well, clearly you're going to be selling him less than, than what his value once was, but you're still going to be trading a player who's, who's not yet, who will be 25 on opening day next year um, and, and who does have the ability to be a everyday big league shortstop with above-average defensive ability. Uh, I think it still remains to be seen what his major league hitting ability is because he just hasn't hit the major league. Uh, and uh, I think what the Rangers will end up having to do here is either take a package of, of some low-level, high-risk, high-reward prospects, or they'll have to take something of uh, of kind of a buy-low guy, maybe a starting pitcher coming off of a off of a subpar year uh, or coming back from an injury, something like that. I just don't think that they're going to trade him and immediately fill one of their 2018 needs with a guy that they would say, okay, this is, this is an asset right here. He may, be a, may end up being an asset, 
but I don't think that right off the bat you're going to be able to count on that guy. Just for a little perspective, I'd like to go back and and uh, and remind everybody, this is the guy whose name would come up in trade conversations about Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> Yeah. So, I, and I, not that I don't, I don't think that that trade ever. No, uh, no, no. You're right. Made, but it, but it, it, there was discussion. Point. Yeah, there was a discussion. Um, but I will say this, you know, and I and you and I have discussed this before, Evan, about you know why don't they just go ahead and trade the guy? But you know, this is the way I feel about it now, and I certainly don't want to do him any disservice. He's a he's a nice kid, and and he certainly got. I think he's I think he's going to be a shortstop in the big leagues. I think he's going to be a nice shortstop. I don't think he's going to be what everybody said he was going to be, you know, as the top prospect in baseball twice. I think that was really unfair uh, to put that label on him. But uh, if I'm the Rangers, I'm not giving him away. You know, if I can't if I can't make a deal this winter that uh, that brings me back something I really like, you know, and I say you hold on to him. Who knows what happens to Elvis Andrus next year or Ruggie Odor, you know, uh, as far as injuries go, as far as, you know, what if Odor continues to struggle and be up and down all over the place? Uh, maybe you maybe you make a deal and trade him at some point, and then you put Profar in as your second baseman. You know, to me, he's still an asset. Or can everybody move, be moved around in an Adrian Beltre-less infield? I don't think so. I don't see any of those guys. You don't see Odor? What, what if Gallo doesn't work out? Well, uh, Gallo's working out. Yeah, man. and he's going to play someplace else. I, I don't see him as a third baseman either. You know. And, and let me just let me just say this, Kevin. To, to your point here, the the other part that now works for Jerks and Profar in giving him some leverage is uh, he's going to be out of minor league options after this year. Yeah, there's no sending him back to the minor league, and so your option, if you're the Rangers, is to carry him as a rarely used utility player. Um, or dealing, and I think both you and I, and you've been quite uh, emphatic on this point on on this show that you don't view him as a utility player, and I don't think he views himself as a utility player. Uh, and he certainly hasn't responded well to playing multiple positions uh, and playing them infrequently. So I do think that in some regards the Rangers are a little bit over the barrel here. Sure, could they keep him? Sure. Would they be doing him or themselves any favors? I don't think so. I think for as much as the Rangers use a backup infielder, once they get a healthy cancer Alberto back, that fits what they need for a backup infielder. If they can trade Profar and get a starting pitcher who's got some upside but who may be coming off of a bad year or whose contract may look a little bit ugly to somebody, they're going to have to make that move. There's just not going to be a choice there. All right, Evan. Let's let's talk about uh, this wild card race. Uh, so know. I pretty much shut you down right there. You did. You did pretty much. Yeah, yeah. The whole options thing. You know, I didn't really consider that. I hadn't thought about it when his options were. Um, so uh, so we got the, the 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 wild card race here. The Rangers are up. They're down. They're in. They're out. What's your prediction as of what is today? Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday the day September, after Labor Day. September the fifth. Yeah, but if I make a prediction now, it's like 10 a.m. back in Dallas, and may have to wait till like uh, to change it around 10 p.m. tonight because it it changes by the hour. Yeah. Uh, You know, when when Beltre went down in in Tampa, that was it. They were done. It was over with. There was there was you couldn't imagine a team that had traded its ace, its starting catcher. Dumped two relief pitchers. I mean, dumped two closers. 
uh, and then lost the heart and soul of his club basically for the rest of the season. Uh, and they're playing from behind. How can you make an argument for them? No. But the, the American League refuses to run away from them. Uh, they've, they've, the Angels, who are ahead of them in the division, uh, they came into Texas, and uh, we've now seen the Angels seven times in the last two weeks. Have they done anything to impress you? No. You know, the Angels, you look at that starting pitch, and you think, oh, my gosh, how does this team function with that kind of starting pitch? Because I, I think it's all because of Mike Trout and Anderson Simmons. Yeah, you're, well, you're – you're right, and to me, that's not because anymore. No, and to me, that's one of the if if, if you can consider it a tragedy. It's not a tragedy, but one of the, the great crimes in Major League Baseball is that Mike Trout is playing away his great career. He's still very young, and no one's seen him in the postseason. He has played how many postseason games has he played in, Evan? I think it's two, three, or three. Yeah, I think he's played in three postseason games. Mike Trout. No, man, you may be right. It may be. It may be two. But uh, anyway. Yeah, he hasn't played for a victorious team in a series. Well, probably. too bad no. he doesn't play in the NBA. Then he can go uh, up the road and play for yeah, the play, uh, where he play, to play for the Dodgers. Well, he apparently, and, likes it. Well, let me ask you this about a guy who who pitched really well against the Braves on uh, on Monday, and uh, and you know this is a guy that uh, he's pitching for a contract. Andrew Kashner, uh, who's from Conroe, we've made a big point of that. That maybe he'd like to pitch back in Texas. Uh, and I, I want to ask you this. Because I've, I've thought all along, uh, before the, the Astros went out and made that trade for Justin Verlander, that why would the Astros not make a big run at Andrew Kashner? And why wouldn't mm-hmm. he want to pitch there? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's next door to his hometown, and it's a, it's a better team with better prospects right now, certainly long-term or in the short-term, uh, than, the, than the Rangers are. But then they made the trade for Verlander, and I don't know how much money they're going to have left. So why wouldn't the Rangers at this point – Approach Andrew Kashner and say, "Okay, we know that you you know you probably like to, you know, uh, wait and see that the open market bears here, but we sure like to bring you back." Oh, I think they'll approach him, but I don't think they're going to approach him with three weeks left in the season. I think they'll let the remainder of the season play out. Uh, if they don't reach the World Series, they'll have certainly a, a little bit more of an extended period where they can try and, and get an extension done. But yeah, I think that there's. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for Cashner to come back to Texas. He is kind of that big Texan personality type guy. I think that that kind of meshes well with both Jeff Bannister and Doug Brocale. Uh, clearly, he does enjoy pitching in Texas. And, you know, he doesn't live in Connor now. He lives in Port O'Connor. So um, while his folks are still in Connor and that's his hometown, you can make a, an argument that he's got some significant ties to Fort Worth as well because of the TCU um uh, the TCU uh, connection. Uh, uh, connection. Yes, I struggled with connection. <laughs> you really were Foghorn Leghorn. Uh, <laughs> I say, I say. So I, I say, I boy. In, in addition, I think you know. Speaking about the Houston connection, I, I think he's got some degree of a relationship with one of the Rangers' principal owners, Neil Liebman, who is from Houston, and. And so I think that there's a lot of reasons why he would stay here. What I do think that has happened is maybe at the All-Star break, Cashner was looking at a two-year, $12 million a year deal. I do think now he's going to be looking at something more like 3 and 15 a year, which is still, based on the going rate for pitchers, that's 
still oh, pretty that's... much just what you're paying for a serviceable starting pitcher. Absolutely. Uh, I, and I wouldn't have any problem uh-huh. with that. Here's what I want to ask you, because I, I would think that Doug Brocale is the one who stood up and said, you know, to John Daniels, uh, this is the guy we really want because uh, he, he had a history with him. What has he done with Andrew Kastner that has made him so successful this year? I don't know that there's been any magic touch that Doug has, has applied there, um, and that's not to diminish Doug's impact. I, I do think that this is a pitcher, this is a pitching coach who's very much on give and take with his pitchers. He does want conversation both ways with them. He's not simply going to order them around. Uh, and, and I do think that that there is just this, this level of comfortability. And, and, and if there's anything, I think, that the Rangers have emphasized, and I think Cashner at this point in time, maybe because he had somewhat diminished velocity over the past couple of years, has, has gravitated more and more towards got to stay on top of the baseball and get it moving downhill. Last night he actually said he was a little bit tired. Um, and I, I, I asked him if it had anything to do with going eight innings the, the, the outing before against Houston on an emotional night. He said, no, I don't think so. But, but the key thing about being tired was that he realized that he had to take some steps to make sure that he got the extension he needed on, on his arm and that he was able to get the ball moving on a downward plane. And, and so I think he's bought fully into that, and I think that that has certainly helped him. Do you think have you seen enough from him this year to make you think that okay if they were able to to resign him and the, and obviously Cole Hamels and Martin Perez come back that then now you're obviously that would put you in a, in a much better position to have three guys you're still lacking a two or a one if you want to look at it that way um, but you do have uh, I think the way Castro's been pitching right now if he could if he could sustain that. I think he's a viable number three, don't you? Uh, yeah, I, I, w- and I would think, again, if, if you've got Cole as your one or your two and you've got Cashner as a three and Perez as a four, all of a sudden with the way Martinez pitched in the second half, with the way Cashner's pitched all year, you know, you start, as you were asking that very long-winded question there, I started to... Uh, <laughs> I started wow. to drift off. Wow. I started to drift off, but started thinking about, look, if you're the Rangers, you know, a month and a half ago, I'm sitting here saying, what are they going to do in 2018? They are just going to have a disaster on their hands. But you start to look around at team now, and yeah, if you bring Cashner back, you're still, you're still got a big hole in the rotation somewhere in the else. upper half that you've got to fill. But you've had Cashner and, and Perez both pitch well in the second half. You have had Joey Gallo make huge strides in the second half that let you know, hey, he's an everyday player uh, for you, whether that's at first base or in left field next year. And that was going to be a big issue that you were going to have to address for 2018. Robinson Trinos is probably still not a 120-game catcher, but the guy is hitting about 350 since Jonathan Lucroy was traded, and his, his strike zone discipline has been off the charts. Uh, we're looking at a guy who's going to hit 20 home runs basically as a part-time catcher this year. Uh, I think that does give you some some level of security at catcher as well. Uh, there's still going to be a question about center field. Um, I don't know if Delano DeShields is ever going to have the, the arm to play center field, but he's certainly played his way over the last month into 
a role that will be significant in 2018, whether the Rangers bring Carlos Gomez back or not. And, and so you start to look around the team and you say, yeah, there's some things that they've still got to address, but the future for 2018 doesn't look as, as, as dark and as, as gloomy as, as I think it might have for a lot of people about a month ago. Well, but you know, how about the bullpen for next year? You know, you're hoping again in the bullpen that you get a, a healthy Kella and a, a healthy Bush. Um, and you've got Jake Deakman back now, and, and you expect him to continue to Im- improve. Uh, the Rangers have also gotten this year and maybe developing in Alex Claudio into the kind of guy who's not your, your Andrew Miller-type multi-inning guy, but a guy who's a multi-inning-type weapon. Um and so there is something of a core there in the bullpen. Do I think they need to go out and get a closer? Yeah, I think that, that they need to go out and identify a closer and, and, and acquire one. But I don't think that I don't think that the bullpen looks as, as completely riddled with issues as it once did. And and to that point as well, you know, you you've had not that they're not that they've gone out and absolutely dominated, but you brought up Nick Gardewine and you brought up Ricky Rodriguez here in the last month. They've gotten some major league experience. They are guys who might fit into the mix next year as not necessarily back end of the bullpen guys, but middle relief type guys give you more options to, to go to. You know, I, I, you know, bullpens are always a year to year, you know, problem. Anyway. They really are. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that they and Barry's right that certainly that bullpens have been a big problem this year, and the number one problem. The big, it's been the biggest problem. Yeah, no it's been the biggest problem. But. But I'll, uh, the thing that to me that's going to be harder for them to fix than anything else, other than you know finding a one or a two uh, starting pitcher, is their defense. Uh, that that you're not going to be able to fix this defense because this is who these guys are. I mean, Ruggio Dor is improving at times. He's in the field. He's a lot like he is at the plate. You know, he's he, he gets lost. He comes back, and then he he regresses. And and uh, right. and Elvis will have his moments. And now. You know, uh, I think there's a legitimate question now to ask about uh, Adrian Beltre at third base. Is he going to be able to, at this point in his career, can you really count on him to keep coming back and playing as well as he has? And then, of course, there's the whole outfield, uh, which you've got basically uh, if, if Carlos Gomez doesn't come back, and even when Carlos is there, He's pretty much an average center fielder. Mazzara's He's an average center fielder. Mazzara's average. Yeah, Mazzara's average. Mazzara's a, a below average okay. right fielder. Yeah. Um, he might his, his arm might be a tick above average, but I, his foot speed in right field um, yeah. and his reads are, are slightly below average. Uh, Chu is a DH and shouldn't yeah. be playing in the outfield very wow. much at all. That's true. Um, wow. The shield has good foot speed, but we don't know about his reads or his arm strength. Willie Calhoun has got the ability to absolutely crush baseballs, but again, uh, does he have a, a fielding position? And I, I look at, for me, I, I look at the Boston Red Sox and I look at what an asset their defensive uh, their defensive abilities in the outfield are. And well, the Rangers, Astros as well. Yeah, and the Rangers. The, the Astros as well with, with, with Springer and that group um, in, in the outfield. And, and and I do think that there's been much more emphasis around the league in, in taking away runs and, and having outfielders who can be assets. And the Rangers, they, they don't have that group right now. They're, they're, 
their outfielders' assets are going to be on an offensive level, not on a defensive level. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you adjust that. And for me, Kevin, I think personally, I, I think the outfield defense stands out to me more than what I've seen in the infield. I think, as you mentioned, Odor has made some strides defensively. I think he's much better at moving at his footwork and moving around. I do think that there are times. And he acknowledged last night. He was talking about offense, but uh, but he but he also acknowledged afterwards that it applies to both the the the, the fielding aspect of it and the offensive aspect. That there are times when he can lose focus, and and that's not unusual for a twenty three year old. And it's not like he's being a daydreamer. But we saw Elvis as a twenty three year old. We sure. focus a lot of times, and, and yeah. I think we've seen a player now. You know, Elvis may not have quite the same range that he had when he was twenty. But I think he's become a much more um, consistent fielder, you know. Uh, is there always going to be a ball or two that gets dropped that you go, ah, it's a routine ball? Yeah, but that happens with every fielder. He's not, he's not a gold glove center field, uh, shortstop, but I do think he is. Uh, he, he certainly fits the bill for what they need at shortstop. And he's, he, I think he's just become a much more serious player, both offensively and defensively. And I, I wrote this today when I was talking about Profar. I mean, right now, you have to make the you make the case that Elvis Andrus is a superstar player in in the American League. If he's going to hit three hundred, uh, yeah, absolutely. With, all those home and, runs. And with uh, twenty home runs, that's that's more than they ever expected him to be. I think uh, the, the guy is on the verge. The guy has a chance this September to finish with twenty homers, thirty steals, and forty doubles, and that's just unheard of for a shortstop. It's happened. Three times in history, Jimmy Rollins twice, and Hanley Ramirez once. And, uh, you know, you end up, if Elvis Andrews ends up compared to, to Rollins or Ramirez long term, those are, those are good career comps. Yeah, they are. No question about that. So, uh, so we, we go around the horn here. We, what, what is going to happen? Uh, we, we just barely touched on that with Adrian Beltre being out. What's going to happen with him next year? I mean, to me, what the Rangers have to do, and this is what I've always complained about Jerry Jones, he never plans for the worst. He always hopes for the best and pretty much plans for the best. Uh, but but I, do think, I, I do think the Rangers have a plan for the worst there. What um, is the plan? And, and, I, and I think that if, you know, if Beltre goes down, um, your line of succession immediately then goes to Gallo at third base. And – that doesn't necessarily leave a hole because if Gallo is playing left field at the time, well, that's where Willie Calhoun gets his opportunity. If Gallo is playing first base at the time, that's where Ronald Guzman gets his opportunity. And and Calhoun and Guzman are both in the top five in this organization's prospect chart right now, and and that's as good a line of succession as you're going to have. I, I think that I think what Joey Gallo has done for you this year is he's proven that he is at the very least, an adequate fielder at three different positions. I think he's done a good job at first base. I think he's done an above-average job in left field, and I think he's, he's always been a good defensive third baseman. Um, well, I don't know if I'd say good. I, I he, he certainly has, adequate. as we've said before, he's a terrific athlete. You know, he's fast. Yeah, he's and, got, for, and for his size, for his size in particular. Uh, you know, we, we talk about this in the outfield. Uh, you know, uh, when you watch him play the outfield, He's one of the few guys on the team who settles right under a ball. 
you know, when 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 Shinsu when a fly ball gets hit to Shinsu Chu, there's all kinds of movement out there before he finally settles under the ball, and even a little bit with 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 Carlos Gomez. Uh, but but I think that Joy does that. My problem for Joy is he's just such a big man to be playing third base, right. and that's a very difficult thing to do on balls. You're charging, uh, you know, the 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 angles that you're forced to take and that type of thing. I think that Joy's in the short term. Is a is a good enough answer at third base. My problem for him is that long term, I don't think it's best for him or the Rangers if he's the third baseman. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think this is a guy that I see playing third base into his thirties for the Rangers. I think he'll he'll be a first baseman or a left fielder there. But I think in his mid twenties, um, in as good a shape he's, as he's in athletically, if the Rangers need him to play half a season at third base next year, as he's basically going to end up doing this year. I think he's perfectly capable of doing that. Maybe not on a gold glove level, but certainly on an adequate level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barry's giving me the wrap up signal over here. Holy cow, is that right? Is it time to wrap well, this up? Just, yeah, I think I think it is. I think Evan is bored with us. Wow. And I think he's you going to the varsity. Where are you going for lunch today, Evan? Um today I'm I am i am going to tell you that today I'm going for lunch. Um uh to Manuel's Tavern, which is an incredibly old establishment, and the press uh, newspaper bar hangout uh, for, for years and years here. But what was really um, exciting to me is I'm going to get to uh, take my old friend Tom Stinson out to Stinny. lunch. Um, and Tom just retired uh, from the Journal-Constitution on Friday. So, on Friday? Uh, wow. Do you What's know that? Tom? Tom's before, a great guy. Yeah, sure. Everybody knows him. Before... Before I met Kevin, and before Kevin became my mentor in life, Tom was uh, <laughs> Tom was that guy. <laughs> He's a very nice guy, and you know what? Good for him that he was able to retire. You know, Barry, are you ever going to be able to retire? We're hoping. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> me too. Me too. You I don't think I'm ever going to be able to retire. You know what? I I always say I'll well, be working I, ten years after I'm dead. Well, that's because you you, you started a little late having children. I know, a little that, later than I. That was my problem, wasn't it? And uh, I'm done. I'm I done. Figured, with, I'm I, done with college tuition. I figured out it was better if you were married first before you started having. I just children. want you both to know I could retire tomorrow. Wow! Wow! How much money you got put I away? How much money you have under your mattress, Evan? I would have to die on Friday, but I could <laughs> retire tomorrow. <laughs> We all could retire tomorrow. Yeah, that is, that what, is what would correct. it be? What kind of retirement would it be? Listen, let me ask you this: since you're in Atlanta, have you had any, uh, you know, uh, friendly family reunions with uh, our old pal John Hart? I haven't seen John Hart, to be honest with you. I did see uh, did see Ron Washington yesterday. Oh, that's out. right. How how is how is Ron? He he was happy and fine. He was a little bit. Um, the one thing he had a issue with in the new stadium was that there was no bathroom in the home dugout, so you had to go all the way back up to the clubhouse if you had to answer nature's call. There's no bathroom uh, in the in the home dugout. No, no. We and I think that the Rangers hopefully will uh, take note of that when they make a tour here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's hope so. That's I, a little bit of a flaw. Kevin, I was like a little eight-year-old last night at this game. I, I, I really did not cotton to the whole idea of the Braves moving out of the city of Atlanta and, and out here to Smyrna. Um, and the stadium is, is the stadium. I don't know that the, 
the view from inside the stadium is any greater than it was at Turner Field. Uh, I don't know that it's got any more character than it had at Turner Field. I'm looking forward to today to go into walk the concourse. But so last night they uh, they had Phil Necro come out and throw out the ceremonial first pitch. Phil Necro was throwing. How's he look? And, you know, they showed it. Oh, I didn't see it. Oh, yeah. Necro was my. Um, Negro was like my favorite player after after Aaron moved to Milwaukee, so that was that was very exciting and and it was cool to watch that. And then did he throw a knuckler? With that, he, he, uh, he threw a knuckler to the plate. Yes, and he got it all the way there. Seventy-five years just old. Just about, yeah. <laughs> um, he, uh, he's seventy-five or seventy-seven. He's in great shape. I mean, he and John Havlicek were high school teammates, and I, I really I don't. I, yeah, they, they they played high school baseball and basketball together in Ohio, and I I, wow. I Phil Necro's in great shape for a guy his age. I, I will give him that. Um, and then they have like a ceremonial first tomahawk chop of the night, and they brought out Vince Dooley to do that last night. So I wow, was, you were in hog heaven. You were in hog heaven. I, I was. I was or like dog heaven. As a little eight year old girl, it was unbelievable. <laughs> oh, Evan, I. I <laughs> You know what? I can just kind of picture Evan as a late. No, you know what? I think that's a good. I think that's a good ender. <laughs> that is a good ender, Evan. It's great talking to you, man. Have a good time out there. If you do run into John Hart, give him my best, will you? And and tell him the prick. Tell him the prick's still in town. Uh, I'll tell you what. I, I'll tell you what. If I see John Hart, I'll say hello. But how about if I just uh, give your regards to Cindy today? Okay? Yeah, do that. That'd be great. And give him mine too. Yeah, give him our best. All right, okay, Evan. I can guarantee when I say that he'll say who? Barry who? 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 Uh, no. All right, guys. Take care. See you, Evan. All there right. goes Evan Grant. We Ed- we kept him a lot longer than he wanted to be kept too. You think I, so? Yes, because I, I I saw the text message from him last night. Let's make this short and sweet. Did he really say that? No. <laughs> yeah, he implied uh, that. Did you read? Did you read? Did you read? Did he implied that. And by the way, it is now 10.44, and we're still missing Sean Bass. We are still missing Sean Bass. What happened to him anyway? I don't know. He said he'd be here at 10.30. He's kidnapped. He's kidnapped. I don't think I can but think. What else did we have today? We had Babe Laufenberg. We had Babe Laufenberg talking about uh, about uh, USC quarterbacks, UCLA quarterbacks. Uh, You're bearing the lead. He talked about the wedding, the Troy, the way, Aikman Troy wedding. Aikman wedding. He didn't tell us very much. They, they swear those people to secrecy or something? Yes, I, I bet he had a sign. I should have asked him. Did he, you think he had to sign a uh, a, a waiver? A, a prenup? A pre- <laughs> I, will not, a prenup? I, I will not talk about this wedding. You know, what's up with that? The wedding's over. You can talk about it now. I don't know. Oh, I think that's crazy. You, I, don't, I don't think we'll see much from any of the guests about, about what that wedding was like. But here's the thing. He put it on Facebook, didn't he? Uh, he Troy put, sent out an Instagram. I think it's an Instagram that he... That, they put on Facebook and they oh, put it on. Oh, I know. It showed Twitter. up on my Facebook. So. Yeah, it showed up on mine too. But uh, yeah, so so we. Had I'm him stunned. About I, was, I was I was I was stunned by this whole that moment. he got married. That he well, no, not once he got engaged, but yeah, but but I, I thought Troy was going to be a, a lifer, uh, bachelor, bachelor again. I I tell you what, I I've been mystified by his whole uh, you know married life. You know, the first wife, you know, didn't seem like the typical professional quarterback. Wife. Wife. No. Okay, we got to go now.
<laughs> because I, I I hope to talk to Troy Aikman in the future. I don't want to have to do no, any, do no, any no, explaining. I've just said it was it was just interesting to me. His, his choices have been interesting, but he's an interesting guy. He's a fascinating guy. Yes, he is. All right, we got to go now. We do, and we're going to have on. We we still have to talk to Chuck Carlton about the wild and wacky weekend. Disastrous. Was, was it a disastrous well, weekend he, for the state of Texas? If you're in that Bermuda Triangle of of, of Austin College Station, that's and the second Waco, time you've made that reference. I like it. I, I like that. It. It's good. Yeah, it is. A, it is the Bermuda Triangle of football. This, oh, and, this week. and and beautiful. Bermuda Triangle of Disappointment. Oh, my gosh. Well, that, that and pretty e- much, e- Bermuda Triangle kind of pretty much implies you know, so for some people, disappointment. <laughs> but it's a bit, there was not a happy Bermuda Triangle with these planes going but, but, down. But, but, it, but, it was, but, but, but the losses were, were three different kinds of losses. Yeah, and all of them worse uh, than the last. Uh, yeah, you think so? Oh, yes, they were. All right, that's it for us, everybody. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.